Father, when your presence came near to Moses, you revealed your very essence to him and to us. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness. Compassionate and gracious. Lord, everyone needs compassion. We've all fallen short. Lord, every one of us is caught in the mire and the difficulty of sin and darkness and doubt. Lord, our lives are filled with our own mistakes and the suffering because of the mistakes of others. But Lord, your heart overflows with compassion. Your love for us knows no end. The height, the breadth, the length, the depth. Lord, you love us with an everlasting, unfailing, infinite love. And God, we ask that now as we open your word, you would teach us just how much you love us. That you would open our eyes to see that you would clear away the lies that tells us that we have to earn your love or that somehow we have done something to separate us from your love. Lord, there is nothing, neither height nor depth nor breadth nor anything else in all of creation that could ever separate us from the love that you have for us in Christ Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen. If you would, please take a Bible and turn to the book of Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, it's page 812 in the church Bibles. While you're turning, last week I gave you an assignment. The assignment was to get up five days uh, in the morning this past week to pray. And I'm wondering how to go. It's difficult, wasn't it? <laughs> yes. I'm trusting, though, that you did meet with the Lord. I'm trusting that he met you in that. And although this week's sermon is not about prayer, so I'm not extending your assignment another five days, I would like to at least tell you you've got five days under your belt. If you do it again this week, that would be 10 days. You would be well on your way towards a healthy pattern of following in the footsteps of Jesus. Well, this morning we're going to be looking at the last passage in Mark chapter 1. We've spent a lot of time in Mark 1, and part of the reason we've done so is Mark 1 lays the foundation for everything we're going to hear in the Gospel of Mark, but it presents to us a beautiful overview of who Jesus is. And that's really why we're studying this gospel. It's why we're here. Why we've taken time this morning to gather together is because Jesus is the one that we want to know. Jesus is the one that we want to understand. And the gospel of Mark is presented to us really a beautiful survey of Jesus. We began in Mark 1, that first section there, verses 1 through 8, with the mission of Jesus. Why did Jesus come to earth? He came so that we might be baptized in the Holy Spirit. In other words, so that God's presence might flood our lives, so that he might be with us at all times, in all ways, not just in a little sprinkle, but in an overwhelming flood. The next section, we looked at the obedience of Jesus, that he was willing to be baptized 
and to struggle through temptation in obedience to the Father's will for him. Verses 14 and 15, we looked at the message of Jesus. Repent and believe, for the kingdom of God has come near. This promised kingdom, the kingdom of our God and of his Christ has drawn near to us, and you and I can participate in this eternal kingdom. Repent and believe because the kingdom has drawn near. Verses 16 to 20, the next section, we looked at the call of Jesus, where he says, come, follow me. Come into a new life, into a great adventure. Come follow me on the journey and the plan that I have for you. In the next two sections, verses 21 all the way through 34, we saw the power of Jesus, his power over unclean spirits and over sickness, his ability to heal us, his ability to set us free from the forces of darkness that seek to enslave us and destroy us. And then last week, verses 35 to 39, we looked at the prayer life of Jesus. That he got up early in the morning while it was still dark and went to a solitary place where he prayed for a long time that he might be aligned with the vision that the Father had for him. This morning we finish Mark chapter 1 and verses 40 to 45 looking at the heart of Jesus. Looking at the heart of Jesus, why is it that Jesus came? Why is it that Jesus did the things that he did? Not all the passages in the gospel let us peek into the heart of Jesus, but this one does. And we get to see what's going on emotionally, how he feels about what he's doing. So please look with me as I read verses 40 to 45. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was filled with compassion. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet people still came to him from everywhere. Now you may have noticed, if you are following along in the NIV, that when we got to verse 41... I didn't read Jesus was indignant. I read Jesus was filled with compassion. If you're using an NIV, you'll notice next to the word indignant, there's a superscripted B. If you look down in the footnotes, you'll see next to a superscripted B in the footnotes, many manuscripts read, Jesus was filled with compassion. That's actually the better reading here. Jesus was filled with compassion. He's not angry. If he is angry, what he's angry at is the destruction that sin has brought into this world that people have to suffer with physical maladies and diseases. But that's just simply a sign of his compassion 
for this man. Most of the Greek manuscripts that we have read the word, he was filled with compassion, which is why most English translations have, he was filled with compassion, which is indeed what's going on in this verse. Jesus' heart is, he is filled with compassion. Now, we know what compassion is. Compassion is that feeling when you're an elementary school teacher and you just get done grading all of your students' math homework and one of the little girls in your class comes up to you with tears in her eyes and says, I'm trying as hard as I can. I just don't understand. Math is so difficult for me. And you remember back to how difficult math was for you. Maybe not long division, but maybe differential equations or something else. And you remember that feeling of struggling to understand. That's compassion. Compassion is that feeling when you're a doctor or a nurse or you work in the medical community. And it's your job to break the news to one of your patients that they have pancreatic cancer. The same kind of cancer that your mom died from. That feeling that wells up in your heart as you get ready to share that, that's compassion. Compassion is that feeling when as a parent your child comes to you and says, please don't make me go to school today. I don't have any friends and everyone makes fun of me for being a Christian. And you know that you're not looking forward to going to work that day because it's difficult to be a Christian there and your heart breaks for your child who doesn't want to go off to high school. That's compassion. Compassion is that feeling that after your football team wins a playoff game in double overtime and you're celebrating with your teammates and you look over on the other side of the field and you see a player that you respect on his knees, sobbing uncontrollably because his dreams are dashed and your heart feels for him. That's compassion. That's how Jesus feels towards this man that approaches him. His heart is aching. His heart is filled with emotion. There are tears in his eyes. He is full of compassion. It is a feeling, an overwhelming sense of desperately wanting to help, of feeling the pain and the struggle that this man is going through. That's the emotion, the overriding emotion that Jesus experiences. His compassion shows up in four ways in the story, and we want to talk about those this morning. Verse 40, a man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. The first way in which Jesus' compassion shows up is in his willingness to help. His willingness to help. The man says, if you are willing. This is a great request. Not my will, but yours be done. And Jesus' compassion demonstrates himself itself in his willingness to help. Now in the New Testament, the word leprosy is used to cover a variety of skin diseases, 
including what we know of today as Hansen's disease, which is what most people tend to think of when they think of leprosy. But leprosy in the New Testament covers an entire range of skin diseases. And there are actually two Old Testament chapters in the book of Leviticus that deal with what you're supposed to do if you find yourself with one of these leprous skin diseases. Leviticus chapter 13, in fact, gives very specific instructions as to what you're supposed to do. Verses 45 and 46, actually the whole chapter is about these skin diseases, but 45 and 46 say, anyone with such a defiling disease must wear torn clothes, let their hair be unkempt, cover the lower part of their face and cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as they have the disease, they remain unclean. They must live alone. They must live outside the camp. Those are the instructions. If you have leprosy, your job is anytime you come near someone, which you're not supposed to come near someone, but anytime you do, you're supposed to call out unclean. How would you like that? Why would you have to do such a thing? Well, you're contagious. This is a contagious disease. And the point is, is the people who will come near you need to know there is a danger that they might catch this disease from you and might become unclean. It's very interesting. This man does not do that. He does not announce to Jesus that he's unclean. He does not stay away from Jesus. In fact, he comes to Jesus and falls on his knees and says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And we see the heart of Jesus, the compassion of Jesus, that he's moved by this man. He doesn't stand back and say, hey, 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 you didn't say unclean, unclean. He doesn't say to him, you're not supposed to come and approach me. He's moved with compassion. By the way, God is always moved with compassion when we come to him and beg him for help. He's always moved with compassion. There's this great story in 2 Chronicles 33. It's about one of the most wicked kings in Israel's history, a man named Manasseh. He is historically bad. But listen to what this story says. The Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people, but they paid no attention. So the Lord brought against them the army commanders of the king of Assyria, who took Manasseh prisoner, put a hook in his nose, bound him with bronze shackles, and took him to Babylon. In his distress, he sought the favor of the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his ancestors. And when he prayed to him, the Lord was what? Moved by his entreaty and listened to his plea. So he brought him back to Jerusalem and to his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord is God. This is one of the legendary villains in the Old Testament. So full of disobedience. Anything God spoke to Manasseh, he simply ignored, paid no attention, and did whatever he wanted to do. But when he cried out to God, this infinite compassion 
the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, that compassion moved God to action. That's what we see in the person of Jesus. This man comes to him and has not obeyed the Mosaic law. He's not done what he's supposed to do with his skin disease, but Jesus lets him fall in front of him and is moved to help. His compassion motivates him to do something. And let me just say to you and to me this morning, no matter what, Every time you fall on your knees and beg God to help, he's moved with compassion. It doesn't mean he will always do what you're asking him to do, but it does mean he will always do something. He can't help himself. The Lord cannot sit idly by while our lives are destroyed by sin and by darkness. And Jesus' compassion reveals to us the compassion of the Father that he is willing to help. The man says, if you are willing, and Jesus says, I am, I'm always willing. I always want to help. The second way that Jesus' compassion shows itself, not only is he willing to help, he's willing to touch the man. Verse 41, Jesus was filled with compassion. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Now think about this for a moment. Jesus doesn't have to touch him. He can simply say the word and the man will be healed. He can say the word and the man will be cleaned. Jesus doesn't just speak the word. He reaches out his hand And I don't know, he lays it on his arm, he touches his forehead, whatever it is. He makes physical contact with the man. Now, leprosy is highly contagious. What's he doing? He's putting his life in jeopardy. To think about this. Jesus is God incarnate. He has taken on flesh but he's done so that he can now so that he can now catch leprosy why is he touching this man he's associating with him in his suffering i have to imagine no one has ever touched this man on his arm for as long as he's had this disease no one has ever reached out and physically touched him why well nobody wants to die nobody wants to catch the disease He's unclean. He's supposed to stay away from everyone. What's Jesus doing grabbing his arm? He's showing him that he's in this with him. That God became incarnate so that he could grab hold of his arm and hold on to the man. This is why Jesus became human. It's so that God could touch us. So that for you and I, when we walk through our suffering... Jesus can hold our hand. That his goal was not to stay distant and away. The Mosaic law demanded that the man stay separate and declare himself to be unclean. Why? God's trying to show us that's what religion does. Religion is about rules, and the rules tell you it's dangerous for you to be touched. The difference with Jesus is he's come for relationship. He's come for embrace. 
His compassion moves him. He cannot let this man go through his suffering by himself. And so he becomes a human so that he can grab hold of this man's arm and join him in his suffering. And please notice, he touches him before he's healed, before he's made clean. This is Jesus meeting him in his most desperate hour, putting his arm around him and saying, I'm with you. Don't be afraid. It's his heart that drives him to do that. Everybody else is afraid. What if I catch that disease? Jesus says, the disease is why I became a human. So I could catch that and a lot more and die in the man's place. So his compassion shows itself in a second way, in his willingness to touch him. The third way that Jesus' compassion makes itself known is his willingness to cleanse the man. Not only by Jesus touching him, is he in danger of catching the disease and harming himself physically? By touching the man, he's making himself religiously unclean. Leviticus 13 and 14 is about religious purity as well. Now let me ask you this question to try. We don't really use terms about purity and impurity in our modern culture today, but let me ask you this question. If I have a clean hand, and I touch a hunk of raw meat, does my clean hand make the raw meat clean? No. Does the raw meat contaminate my clean hand? Yes, the Mosaic law is saying, look, this is how religion works. If someone is unclean, you cannot touch the unclean person or the unclean thing because the unclean thing will contaminate you. You can't do it. Well, why is Jesus touching the man? Well, let me ask you this question. If my hand, which has just touched raw meat, if I then take it to the sink and I wash it with soap in hot water, does my hand make the soap unclean? No. Does the soap make my hand clean? Yes. Jesus is the soap. This is why he's come is because what religion cannot do is make somebody clean. But Jesus, because he is so full of grace and truth, because his compassion is so great, when Jesus reaches out to touch the man, his holiness and his cleanliness transfers from himself to the man, making the man clean. The man cannot make Jesus unclean. Amen. This is why... If you ask yourself the question or think to yourself, you know what? I better not come to church today. There's stuff in my life that I did this week that made me unclean. There's stuff in my life and in my past that make me ashamed. I feel guilt. And you think to yourself, church is the last place I'm supposed to be. I'm here to tell you that's a lie from Satan. This is where the soap is. Because this is the body of Christ. And that he wants you here. 
And the idea here is if you're in this church and you're looking around and saying, hey, there are probably some people here who are engaged in sexual immorality and there's probably some people here who are engaged in greed or in bitterness or in judgment. Yeah, that's because this is where you come to get clean. Now listen, I understand. I understand that if you're engaged in habitual, unconfessed sin that is contaminating the people around you, there is a place for church discipline. But if you are a Christian who is struggling to try to live out the life that God wants you to live and you fail, this is where you're supposed to be. This is where you get clean. You're not contaminating us. Jesus is making all of us clean. But you know this lie, don't you, right? Don't show up. Don't show up. You'll contaminate everybody around you. Jesus says, no, no, no. I'm here to make you clean. So great is his love that his love overpowers the man's uncleanness. God's love is the most powerful force in the universe. It's the most powerful force in history. It's the most powerful force in existence. And when Jesus' compassion sees this unclean man and God touches him, he becomes clean. And please, this is not a history lesson. This is a story of a living God who loves you this much as well. And that when you come into his presence here this morning, he's reaching out and touching you and saying, yes, I know what you did this week. Yes, I know what you've done in your past. Yes, I know the junk that's in your life. And when you fall down on your knees and say, Lord, please help me, he reaches out and says, be clean. You're forgiven. It's gone. Why does he do that? Compassion. Compassion. The last way in which Jesus' compassion shows itself in this passage is in his willingness to warn the man. Verse 43, Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. Now, this section, verses 40 to 45, is noteworthy in Mark's gospel because it's got two super emotionally charged words. The first one was filled with compassion. This is a big emotional word in Greek. And it's used in this passage to try to say that Jesus' heart is bursting with feelings of love and mercy and sadness at this man's suffering. The second place in this passage where you have one of these supercharged emotional words is verse 43. Strong warning. Now that's a good translation but you might miss the fact that it's actually an emotional word. Jesus is pleading with the man to go and do something. He's begging him, just like the man came and begged Jesus, can you help me? Jesus turns around and begs the man. What does he want him to do? Well, first he wants him not to tell anybody. We've already talked about that in Mark's gospel. That's not because Jesus wants to keep all this stuff a secret. It's because until you know the full story of how Jesus works, he wants to get through the whole story before you go off and tell anybody parts of the story. But the bigger thing is, he says, go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Why is Jesus doing this? Well, he knows that obedience brings blessing. 
The man has disobeyed the Mosaic law in approaching Jesus. In his compassion, Jesus ignores that fact and reaches out to him. But the truth is still the truth that obedience brings blessing. And now that this man has been healed, Jesus says, look, the Mosaic law, it is important to obey. When you obey it, blessing comes and the, and the law commands that you go to the temple and offer the sacrifice. Why? Well, it helps us to know how to be grateful. It helps us to know how to say thank you to God as a testimony to the priests so that they can see that there is a God who goes beyond what the Mosaic law wants done. There is a God who reaches out to us in our sin and in our struggle and embraces us. More than that. Is this man now clean? Who knows that? Jesus, God, and the man. Who doesn't know that? The rest of society. And Jesus loves this man so much that he wants to heal him in every possible way. Not just physically, but socially and emotionally. And so he begs the man, look, go through the proper procedures then everyone will know that you are clean and that will save you from a lot of persecution and difficulty and having to argue with people over whether this happened or not. Jesus loves this man enough to tell him there's a reason why God says do certain things is because when you do them, blessing comes. It's not just some ritual the man needs to go through. Jesus knows if he doesn't go and do this, Nobody's going to believe that he's clean and he's going to live outside the camp. And so in his mercy and in his grace, he begs the man, please obey. Does the man obey? No. He's just like us, isn't he? We're in the middle of trouble. We got financial stuff going on, and we say to the Lord, Lord, if you would just get me out of this, I will actually give you your fair share. I know I haven't been doing that. Please help me. And then he helps us, and what do we do? We forget all about it. We're trapped in suffering or in the wilderness, and the wilderness draws our attention to God, and everything else has fallen away, and we're, we're praying, and we're giving God attention, and we're focused on Him, and then all of a sudden, He shows up, and He does something amazing and miraculous for us, and we're no longer in the wilderness, and what do we do? We stop praying. We stop trying to do things. This is what humans do. This is what this man did. He so desperately wants to be clean that he goes off and forgets all about the fact that the man who healed him begged him to go do this. But this just shows Jesus' compassion all the more. You can either say one of two things. One, because he's God, he knows the man is not going to obey. Or two, because he's a human and has had enough experience with those of us who are humans to know there is a strong chance that the man is not going to obey. Either one gets you to the same point. This is why Jesus is begging him to obey is because he knows he's highly unlikely to obey. But guess what? Jesus heals him anyway. Why? Compassion. You see, what's motivating Jesus is not results. This is not a failure for Jesus. Why? I did this miracle and he didn't obey me. 
What's motivating Jesus is compassion. His heart is broken for this man. The man hasn't obeyed. He's going to suffer some more consequences from not having obeyed. But he's healed. This is the heart of Jesus. Is that when we cry out to him for help, he chooses to bless us. Even knowing full well there will be times in the future when we will abuse that blessing. Even knowing full well that right after he miraculously comes and rescues us, we're going to turn around and disobey him again. Why would anybody in their right mind continue to love somebody like that? Compassion. This is why this is such a great story. Is because it shows you what's going on in his heart. This is not a judgmental God. This is not an angry God. This is not a vindictive God. This is not a legalistic God. This is a compassionate God who became a human, lived among us so he could touch us, died on a cross, was raised from the dead because he loves us totally, completely, unreservedly, despite all the things we've done to disobey him, despite all the problems that we've caused, he's filled with compassion for us. So I told you this week that the sermon wasn't really about prayer. Maybe it actually is. <laughs> Maybe the point of the sermon is there's something you need to fall on your knees and beg God for. And perhaps you've not done it because you think, I'm not clean enough to ask for this. Perhaps you've not done it because you think, he doesn't want to answer this request. Perhaps you've not done it because you thought, well, I first got to get my life in order before I ask anything from him. Perhaps you've not done it because you're just trying to bury your head in the sand and you think he's going to get angry with me. He's going to reject me. He's not going to listen to me. Perhaps you've not done it because you look around at the people around you and you think, well, look at how holy they are. He'll answer their request. He's never going to answer mine. The point of this passage is that the God that you are praying to is full of compassion. And when you fall on your knees and you ask him for help, he will never, ever, ever turn you away. He may not do exactly what you're asking. It's only because he loves you too much to give you what you're asking for and wants instead to give you something far better. Jesus, full of grace and truth, Jesus, full of compassion and mercy. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, who is like you to love us so completely and so totally? to see us in our miserable states of sin and suffering and to reach out and to touch us. 
God, it boggles our mind that you became human so that you could grab hold of that man's arm. Jesus, it boggles our mind that you became human so that through your spirit and in your body, this church, you could grab hold of us and let us know that we're loved. Lord, I know that there are some here this morning who are believing the lie that you just don't care. There are some of us here this morning who think he's not going to want to hear my request. There's some of us that have a request so deep in our heart and we've not uttered it out loud because we're afraid that you'll reject us and want nothing to do with us. Jesus, I pray that today we would see you as the compassionate and gracious God in a new way. And like this man full of leprosy, we would fall down on our knees and say, Lord, if you're willing, you can help. Hear our prayers, for we pray them in your name, Jesus. Amen.